Hello and welcome in to the Disrupt Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Reams, and today we're talking with Matt Edelman, the Chief Commercial Officer, the CCO of Super League Gaming. Previously, he worked at William Morris Endeavor, the agency better known as WME, as the head of digital development. And we're going to be talking about Super League's branding, uh, their new launch of Super League TV and the studio in Huntington Beach, and his past experiences working for WME, one of the largest agencies in the world. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Mitch. It's a pleasure to be talking to you. It's a pleasure to talk to you as well. Matt is currently in Cabo because he's very lucky. That is, uh, that is absolutely correct. In Cabo, monitoring esports tournaments uh, in between uh, a couple dips in the pool. Really sounds like the dream. <laughs> 100%. So you've been at Super League for about 10 months now after coming from WME. What were some of the things you took from that experience working for them to now being at Super League? That's a great question. I'll tell you, you know, I was at uh, WME IMG for almost four years. Um, and uh, I was brought in right before William Morris Endeavor acquired IMG and uh, ended up having a really exciting and diverse experience over my time there. Ultimately, I was helping to oversee most of the uh, digital activities and operations on the IMG side of the business, which means I really had an opportunity to focus on a lot of operating business lines within IMG and how uh, digital and uh, customer acquisition and brand partnerships um, being uh, sort of uh, exploited across digital platforms uh, could integrate with those operating businesses. The most notable area was the live events business. IMG is the owner and operator of live events globally. And when WME acquired uh, that company, uh, their digital presence across their live event footprint was uh, rather antiquated. So the majority of, of my early, uh, probably 18 to 24 months um, at uh, the company was spent upgrading the digital presence across hundreds of live events and learning really how digital could play in the growth of a live event, event business, how it could be used by event partners, particularly uh, brands who are already sponsors of a live event, um, how they could integrate that uh, sponsorship and have a presence through digital channels that resonated with consumers and attendees who were interested in and then, and then um, enjoying a live event experience. Uh, and then also looking at how digital represented a real powerful growth uh, channel in terms of customer acquisition compared to what IMG had been doing previously, which was still very rooted in uh, traditional media advertising to drive awareness and ticket sales. So I would say the live event experience had uh, very uh, strong um, analogies to what we do at Super League, running as many live events as we do across as many locations as we do. And, and probably the other key area I got a chance to get involved in was the early uh, formation of E-League, which is a joint venture between WME IMG and Turner. 
I was part of the team that helped uh, conceptualize and then uh, create E-League, after which Turner really took over the operation. Uh, but that was my uh, first deep dive into esports and understanding how incredible uh, a growth category it is, uh, really getting a better understanding of the passion of players, um, the passion of fans, the viewership interest. And that really led me to spend a lot more time thinking about and, and meeting with um, companies and people who were active in the esports space, both within WMIMG, within Turner, and of course, throughout the industry. And ultimately, uh, got a chance to spend some time with Ann Hand, the CEO of Super League Gaming, and a number of other uh, folks um, at the company, and uh, turned out to be a, a, a great place for me to, uh, to, then, to then move to. Definitely. Thank you for that comprehensive answer. And you talk about the passion of people in the esports industry. I think Super League Gaming is one avenue where you really see that passion up close. So for people who don't know, I'll do a brief intro, but really I'd like to hear you explain Super League Gaming in your own words. Uh, but Super League does geolocalized franchises, so different cities across, and they have some amazing branding. I love the uh, Washington Conspirators logo. It's my all-time favorite logo in esports. It's like an Illuminati-esque uh, triangle. It, it's great. I'll, uh, I'll link it down below. But really, you do a lot of branding and you do these community-driven esports events. So instead of these massive arenas, it's smaller scale, uh, less, a little bit less skill. It's not the not Cloud Nine out there, but it is really good performance. And you see that passion firsthand. How would you describe Super League Gaming, though? Did I do I do do a decent job? Yeah, you sure did. So, look, I, the reason I I joined Super League is is that. Um, I'm very involved uh, personally in uh, Little League Baseball. Uh, my son, team, I've been his coach for uh, seven or eight years. I joined the uh, board of Santa Monica Little League, uh, which is where I live and where Super League Gaming is based. And I, I see the impact that uh, that type of organization has on um, kids who, who want to play that sport, on the families who rally around their, their child's interest, on loved ones and friends who participate um, in that sort of passion and what happens within the community because of how that organization has structured itself and um, run its program for a number of years. Um, I, I see the same thing happening in esports. It has grown so quickly and developed so powerfully starting from a young um, player's perspective. So today's 25 and 30-year-olds were playing games when they were 10, 11, 12, probably even earlier. And, and what's happened as a result is that a massive community has come together on a global level, but it all started locally. It all started with a single player probably in a room, probably their bedroom, um, playing a game they love, meeting people online and slowly discovering that friends of theirs who lived nearby, friends of theirs who they went to school with, friends of theirs as they got older who they worked alongside, had the same interest and the same passion 
and the same excitement about one or more of the games that both of the individuals are excited about and play. Super League Gaming, when I learned about them, was the only company tapping in into that local excitement, that opportunity for players to, to make personal connections where they live in their local community. And I looked at that and I see what's happened in youth sports with groups like Little League or AYSO soccer. I see what happens with adult recreational sports, whether it's adult softball, adult soccer, adult baseball. And there's no question that there is an appetite and an interest and an enthusiasm around esports to play in similar environments and to have an experience on a local level, on a local quote-unquote playing field, which with Super League Gaming and our signature tournaments um, is a movie theater. Uh, but that, that interest, that appetite is, is palpable. And Super League Gaming, at the time that I you know, started to really investigate the company and their place in the, in, the, in the ecosystem, was the only one who was really focused on it and trying to build on that passion. And that's what we are continuing to do. And, and, and the response is, is terrific. And players absolutely seem to want to make that connection, to have that personal relationship develop through their passion for a particular sport, uh, i.e. a particular game. And I love it so much because gaming can be so isolating. You said people are often playing in their bedroom by themselves. And yeah, they have friends online. And that's me too. I'm playing with friends online. But having these community events and also having these school leagues that we've seen pop up, they really show that gaming is not and it's not for socially awkward people. It's not isolating. It's a it's a bringing people together event in many cases. And like you said, it's that community driven stuff really instills the passion. I mean, I have to imagine that almost every baseball fan in the U.S. is a baseball fan because they played Little League at one point. I, I I completely agree with you. The 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 one of the most interesting components of watching players at a Super League event is seeing how they relate to each other and how their skill and their passion for gameplay brings out their best. So a lot of what what happens in online communities with gaming is. Um, the competitive nature of a particular title can bring out some not so um, some very toxic not, behavior. Not, yeah, I was going to say some not so admirable behavior. And and when when you get people together in person and they're sitting next to or across from a player who they have to collaborate with and partner with and strategize with, or even someone they're competing with, the toxicity dissipates almost entirely. And instead, what you see is incredible camaraderie. You see a joy for competition. And you see these relationships begin to develop that you know have the potential to last beyond that moment because of their shared experience and their shared love of the game they're playing. Definitely. Definitely. It's a lot easier to talk shit to an opposing username than it is literally somebody sitting across from you. And that bad reputation that gamers have received for, oh, the community's so toxic. Well, 
you don't see that at LAN very often. You don't see that when they're actually physically on stage. It's usually like during streams when they let something slip. And that face-to-face -face stuff is what gets lost so much, is that there's actually a person on the other side of that username, and you definitely wouldn't be saying those things if they were sitting there right in front of you. No, in fact, you know, what, what you want to be saying when they're sitting right in front of you is something that not only makes um, for a possible relationship to, to develop, even if it's, um, you know, going to be in that moment, but you want to put yourself forward in a, in a positive way. You know, people don't purposefully, um, in front of other people, make themselves look foolish or make themselves look like a jerk. That's usually accidental. And, mm. and, you know, it's unfortunate when it happens, but the fact is when you're together with other people and you're in a social environment, you want to put your best foot forward. You want to be your best self um, to, to be a little bit uh, self-improvement-y with, with my language. But it's, it's a fact. And gamers are people too. There's no distinction between um, a gamer who uh, sits in their room and plays and the same gamer being, um, you know, in a social environment and, uh, and, and sitting with others. The, the reality is they... Um, they want to be there. They want to have a good experience. They want to contribute to the experience. They want other people to have a good experience because of their contributions. And, and that's really what happens within a Super League gaming environment. We see it with young kids who play Minecraft. We see it with older gamers who play League of Legends. And as we expand into other titles, uh, we're, we're doing pilots right now with Clash of Clans and others uh, coming. Um, I'm sorry, not Clash of Clans, but Clash Royale. Clash Royale, yeah. Uh, I I was thinking of what my son plays uh, every day instead of <laughs> what Super League Gaming is testing. Um, but, uh, you know, we think that's going to continue. We think it's going to be title agnostic. It's going to be venue agnostic. That this positivity, this camaraderie, this excitement about having repeated experiences where you can game together with others, you can be competitive, you can uh, get together for recreational gameplay, but being together in person is going to be a bigger and bigger and bigger part of esports. Definitely. And so you touch on two of those games, and you say you're expanding to more titles. I'm curious why League of Legends and Minecraft, which I believe are the only two games you guys operate in right now, why, why those two titles? And what, what makes a good title for Super League? Gosh, that's a great question. So um, I don't want to overstate um, my knowledge just because both of uh, the games, Minecraft and League of Legends, were already uh, being um, uh, were already within the Super League ecosystem before I joined. But I certainly know why the choices were made, and and you know uh, think they were they could not have been better choices. Minecraft, on the one hand, um, is without question. Uh, the most exciting uh, game for uh, introducing kids to a gaming environment. It is so uh, positive in the way that it encourages gameplay, the creativity that it enables, the collaboration and competition that um, are enabled based on the community's contributions to the platform over so many years create such a diverse set of experiences that 
you know, six, seven, eight-year-olds who are interested in able to get a positive experience and positive exposure to what gaming is all about because of how Minecraft um, has developed its game and continues to update it. So for Super League, looking at the opportunity to connect with young gamers and really to connect with their parents so that families could experience esports the same way that families experience youth sports in more traditional examples like we discussed earlier baseball soccer minecraft was the perfect entry point and continues to be the perfect entry point um, parents generally are quite favorable towards minecraft perhaps more so than any other game and it really has has been a terrific um, component of of our offering that's really interesting the gamers to go ahead sorry sorry i didn't mean to cut you off i i just thought it's really interesting that parents love minecraft and i was thinking it makes a lot of sense because like you mentioned it's the creativity and it's also very accessible you don't have to worry about your kid holding a gun and going to shoot another gun it's like no it's all blocks like you're and there's violence there's competitive there's competition but you're right it's a perfect entry point which is really cool well it's also you know just as we were told by um, the, the, you know, the creators uh, and, and the pe people who run Mojang uh, in a conversation with our CEO, they, they really, you know, made it quite clear when, you know, with Minecraft in particular, but even more broadly, you know, when you're gaming, you're learning. And, and that is, is the case with Minecraft. So for us to be able to bring um, young gamers uh, an opportunity with all of those elements uh, made just a, a ton of sense. Um, and, and as we expanded the Minecraft offering um, and got into our City Champs product, we realized the, the tournament structure lent itself quite well to more competitive, hardcore games. And, and while that was always the vision, we weren't certain early on exactly how to give more serious gamers, more competitive amateur players, an experience that really felt to them like they were playing almost as if they were in a pro environment. And again, I'll, I'll go back to the, to the youth or, or adult recreational sports examples. When you're on a baseball field, no matter what age you are, you're playing by the same rules as the pros. And so the idea of giving amateurs in the esports space the ability to have a pro-like experience took a lot of time to to figure out once we got there with our city champs concept um, we were already in discussions with a number of amazing publishers and thankfully riot really keyed in on what we were doing and and decided that we might be able to bring something to their community that a they weren't bringing uh, directly on their own and and didn't have plans to bring directly on their own at the time and that other partners of theirs were not bringing and it really just became a wonderful uh, meeting of the minds um, at a perfect time in the growth of both esports and uh, the lol uh, North American community and and from, from our perspective, League of Legends uh, is the crown jewel of esports. It's really the, 
the game that, you know, rose and continues to, to be at the very upper echelon of the category. So having an opportunity to partner with them and bring an esports experience to their competitive amateur community was a wonderful opportunity, a wonderful gift that, you know, we are treating um, as uh, with as much uh, deference and, and respect and excitement uh, as we possibly can. You bring up a really interesting point about League of Legends as the crown jewel, and there's a lot of different esports that have arguments for that thing, but League of Legends is unique in that it comes from, it doesn't have Valve backing like Dota, uh, it doesn't have Blizzard's backing. Riot, when it started, it's a one-game studio creating League of Legends, and in 2010, that's when League of Legends originally came out, it wasn't huge, it wasn't, it grew, it had a player base, but it's steady ascent and Riot's continued focus on partnerships like the Riot Collegiate Series and like Super League Gaming, I think are a big reason why League of Legends has continued its growth and success when we've seen a lot of other esports wane. Look, we, we, we clearly agree. That's why we're so thankful that we have a, a strong partnership with them and, and look um, forward to even more um, opportunities to integrate with their business as it grows and evolves. And, and it's why we take our responsibility to bring their community an exceptional experience so seriously. And, and by the way, that, that's not easy to do. It's not easy to run a 16-city, in-real-time, competitive tournament for multiple skill levels within such a complex game. Um, and, and we are still learning how to make that experience everything that the players deserve it to be. Um, but it's right now um, proven to be solid enough that our community, um, the Super League gaming community is growing in terms of the number of League of Legends players who are participating, and, and we expect that to continue. Yeah, and you mentioned how hard it is to run a tournament. I have to imagine it's equally, if not more, uh, difficult to broadcast a tournament like that. And now with the recent announcement of Super League TV, I I think, can you walk me through some of the challenges when you're when you're competing in all those different cities? How do you broadcast that? How do you work with all those different moving parts? Uh, that's that's another good question. I, I appreciate the the way you're you're thinking about it just from the question. So the numbers can be rather staggering in terms of the amount of matches that are played in a 16 city tournament that consists of four divisions with round robin play that then leads to a semifinals and then a finals. Um, in each of our cities, we hold qualifiers uh, that enable players from that geography to compete, to play on the team that competes within the movie theater um, in real time in person. That movie theater team is composed of 12 five-person teams at four different skill level tiers. 
And the reason we do that is we want this experience to be accessible to skill levels um, across the spectrum of League of Legends. Sure, yeah. So, you don't like to compare it to your Little League. You don't have 10-year-olds playing Babe Ruth playing against like kids going off to high school. Like that's You have to make it accessible for every level and every skill level. That's right. And by keeping the tiers consistent from city to city, it means the players are always competing against players at their skill level. So on a given uh, night of our tournament, we have eight city versus city matches, each of which consists of 12 five-person teams playing against 12 five-person teams simultaneously. And that happens twice over the course of that night. So the number of (laughs) matches is staggering in terms of what is produced within our tournament. When thinking about Super League TV, we really wanted to focus on how we could use our media presence to honor the value proposition of our whole um, company, of our whole sort of mission, which is to focus on the amateur players. Our, Our desire is to give amateur competitive players a spotlight, a platform to not only experience the game and experience pro-like play, but to be able to be celebrated for their passion and their pursuit of, in this case, League of Legends, as, as one of their sports or their sport of choice. So um, the first filter for us was, how do we present the highest quality gameplay? And then the second filter has been, how do we present the highest volume of gameplay? We are just scratching the surface of filter number one, which is we are taking the highest skilled teams in our city champs tournaments um, and showcasing and broadcasting their matches. So it's the 5v5 matches between our highest skilled teams in each city, and those teams in our tournament are referenced as Team A. Um, That's what is on Super League TV right now. Um, That is what will be on Super League TV uh, through this City Champs tournament, which concludes on Wednesday night, April 11th, with our finals, and that will be broadcast live on Super League TV um, on Twitch. What we will be doing in the fall is taking that second filter and thinking about volume and um, deploying a strategy that surfaces a considerable amount of additional gameplay and um, a much higher volume of the matches that take place throughout City Champs. We have uh, a specific idea on how that's going to work. We still have to work through um, that strategy and make sure it's going to deliver uh, upon our goal. So I, I won't go into all the details, but the main, um, the main theme is going to be Super League is for local communities of gamers right now in 16 cities that will grow over time quite a bit. We want to deliver the content that those communities are going to be the most interested in 
and feel a sense of ownership over. Gotcha. That's awesome. I, I'm really excited to be watching. I'll be at least one of your viewers. And for anybody listening, please do go check out Super League TV on Twitch and see some city champs. It's going to be fun and the gameplay may be a little bit more, probably still better than our typical listener, but maybe a little more reminiscent of the League of Legends that you are used to seeing. Um, but I also want to talk about, you guys recently created a studio in Huntington Beach. And I wanted to ask you about some of the things that went into that and some of the designs that you created with creating a studio for esports in mind. Uh, maybe some of the unique things that go into an esports studio that the average uh, listener or average esports fan may not be aware of. So just to um, clarify a little bit how we uh, made the, the decision, um, when we thought about what Super League TV could become longer term, uh, one of the goals for us was for it to be the highest quality presenter of amateur esports competitions um, in the space. That's what we aspire to do with the experiences that we provide. And there's no reason we wouldn't aspire to do that with the broadcasts of those experiences. And as I said, we still um, are learning how to be the absolute best that we can be, uh, but, but proud of, of how we're doing you know, so far. Um, so with, with that in mind, we... Uh, had a few choices. We could try to build something from scratch, which is quite expensive, um, or we could look to partner with an existing production studio that had really designed their business for the purposes of serving esports uh, viewers. Uh, we uh, talked with and visited with a number of potential partners and made a decision that. Uh, Ultimate Media Ventures, uh, with their studio in Huntington Beach, had really designed the most impressive production space um, and production facility for esports. Hmm. So we partnered with Ultimate, and um, a lot of the decisions that had to be made around um, what it takes to deliver a great broadcast, we felt um, confident they had already made. And, and that um, went a long way towards the decision uh, that, that, we, uh, that we reached. I will say another component for us that was quite important was being able to have a branded anchor to our broadcasts. We didn't want our broadcasts to be uh, sort of permanently green screened um, in terms of where our hosts would, would appear to be uh, situated. Um, we wanted something that would root the broadcasts to our brand. And so with Ultimate, we designed a Super League Gaming eSports desk. And, and that is uh, based in Huntington Beach and is well situated to be both a desk for shoutcasting and commentary as well as uh, a number of other types of programming that we're going to be expanding into, including um, when, we, uh, when we will be interviewing players, influencers, uh, pro, pro players. Um, it, it really is a versatile set that uh, 
will help make sure that Super League TV um, is representative of the Super League gaming um, brand and um, and identity. Absolutely, absolutely. That's so important to really be true to the core of Super League, and that's what I feel. I I apologize. I thought for some reason that it was. I didn't realize that there was a partnership uh, made, but that makes so much sense. There's been these studios created for esports, and I see so many unique sets in esports. It feels like almost every traditional sports set is very similar, but esports, I, I see them do some really interesting things. Like in Hearthstone, they'll have like these fireside gatherings, and it'll be this unique wood. It's it's something very unique to esports where people are still willing to like try some very interesting broadcast things. You're absolutely right, and that that's again one of the reasons that we were so enthusiastic about creating this this relationship with Ultimate. Um, they have definitely designed a space that could, if they if they chose, um, be open to the public for esports competitions, but they've kept it um, as an exclusive space to be used by them and their partners to create really an endless number of experiences that will bring that richness and innovation to esports broadcasts. Uh, and we absolutely plan on taking full advantage of that. Um, and, and by the way, it's, it's important to note that while it is a partnership, as I said, we were very careful to make sure that all of the components required to make an esports broadcast successful were in place and were already um, activated by ultimate uh, before we before we went forward so the control room that is so critical when um, producing any sports broadcast but especially in esports where the gameplay doesn't actually um, show the players. Uh, you have a completely different set of considerations than you do in traditional sports. Um, there's a there's a, a whole additional uh, sort of component of the production design that is new to esports because the the field of play is is one type of content. The players themselves are a separate type of content. And of course, anything that you want to add around it that is consistent across multiple sports broadcasts from commentators and play-by-play or shoutcasters in, in esports case um, to statistics and uh, analysis screens that you might want to bring in or shoulder programming, um, you know, all of that is there as well. But the separation of the play and the players is quite distinct. It definitely is. And you're right. That is something unique to esports, as are so many things with this industry. It feels like so many things are unique to esports. And people like you at Super League are getting it all figured out. And I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, I know you're in Cabo right now, so I really don't want to take any more of your time. Let you get back in that sunshine instead of talking to me. Uh, but really, is there anything else uh, that I didn't ask you about that you want to talk about Super League TV Super League Gaming, some parting words. Uh, plug what Super League has coming up in the future. Uh, well, I appreciate that. Look, I, I first want to thank you for having me on. Um, and, 
taking this time and uh, believe me, getting a chance to talk about Super League gaming wherever I am is a, is a privilege. And, <laughs> and so you're not taking me away from anything. Uh, I will say we will have um, an exciting broadcast on Super League TV on April 28th. Um, so after City Champs has concluded, uh, we will be broadcasting our um, Borough versus Borough League of Legends tournament taking place at the Tribeca Games Festival uh, within the Tribeca Films Festival in April in, uh, in a theater um, in Manhattan. So we'll be uh, calling out the uh, top uh, New York Fury players from each of the five boroughs and giving them a chance to battle it out. I was going to say, if you, you want to avoid toxicity in gaming, pitting the boroughs against each other, I don't know. You could, you could see a little bit of rivalry, a little bit of New York fire come out of that. We're counting on it. I'm sure you are. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time. You got it. Thank you.